Hey, it's Eric G. Around the House is sponsored by Baldwin Hardware. For 75 years, Baldwin Hardware has been known for its first-class quality and craftsmanship in door and cabinetry hardware. As an alumnus of the Baldwin Hardware Design Council, I can say I have seen the details and quality from design to the finished product. If you're looking for a new style and old-world craftsmanship, I can tell you there is only one Baldwin Hardware. Check out what would look great in your home at baldwinhardware.com. It's around the house. Hardwired is always going to be more secure because a majority of Wi-Fi can be hacked. That's that's the reality of it. Um, once again, what's the person's intent? You know, how much time are they willing to do it? But some of the older Wi-Fi devices, there are tools you can download off the internet right now that'll crack your Wi-Fi in minutes. Um, so, if possible, wired is better. Um, but I think we all kind of live in a world where, especially of any type of home automation. That it has to be, for the most part, wireless, right? You can't take, I don't know of any commercially available, right, to, uh, uh, thermostats, for instance, that have, you know, a network jack in the back of the, the thermostat. They're like, hey, set up your Wi-Fi. Like, it's not even an option. When it comes to remodeling and renovating your home, there is a lot to know, but we've got you covered. This is Around the House. Welcome to Around the House with Eric G and Caroline B, your home improvement source every single week. Thanks for joining us. We've got a fun episode ahead here today. We've got Gary Salmon from CEO of Black Talent Security. Welcome to Around the House, Gary. Appreciate it. Hey, Caroline. Hi, Gary. And then we've got a mutual friend who is also on our team here. Darren Broderson, welcome to Around the House. Finally, we get you on the show instead of in the background. Yes, it's good to see you both. And Gary, of course. (laughs) Well, I wanted to talk security for a couple reasons here, because I tell you what, Caroline's really great at opening emails that have attachments and getting hacked and sending them out to everybody else. So (laughs) I got to call her on the carpet here first is... uh, we need to talk a little bit about home security as far as the uh, emails and an office and that kind of stuff goes, because uh, we have a lot to learn over here on around the house. It seems. <laughs> Absolutely. So Gary, tell us a little bit about now I have a weird connection to both Darren and Gary and nobody knows this. This is the secret, but we all went to college together. So this is our reunion slash educational episode on around the house. But yes, these two were both graduates at Muhlenberg College with me in 1994. Not to age us, but, you know, we, we don't yeah. look our age. So it matter. <laughs> but anyway, and, have, and these two guys are like the biggest clowns. I still have vivid images of all the bad things you used. <laughs> well, we'll talk <laughs> about those oh, on yes, today's so show. Well, <laughs> so this is around the house. Oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm just talking oh. about maybe like picking, up, picking her off the floor or something like that, you know. Beach parties, <laughs> you know, fun stuff like Ow. that. You know, it was all good though. It was all fun. Oh, we're going to go yeah. there, Gary. <laughs> yeah, oh, we're going there, Gary. I was picked off the floor a couple times too, so. <laughs> all right, but. I've, I've, I've been found on a barroom floor too a well. few times. So. We'll, we'll, we'll keep those secrets locked up. <laughs> there we go. I, I think we have a non-proliferation treaty here. If nobody's firing, then everybody's yeah, safe. No, no worries. We'll, we'll encrypt those messages, Carolyn. How's that? 
Yeah. There we go. Oh, geez. Yeah, Thanks, no, guys. No Thank you so much. <laughs> so, Gary, let's talk about Gary, you a little so- bit. What is your expertise here? Because uh, you've got quite the uh, quite the background. Yeah, look, I, I uh, started my career as a database programmer, computer guy, kind of started from the dorm room of my college. Darren was one of my roommates. He remembers this. You know, I was writing programming code. I think he and I even had a little business. Labels. <clears throat> yeah, we had a little business, like a little side gig, side hustle as like sophomores in nice. college. Right. So, um, yeah, so I really. Wait, what did you guys do? I didn't know that. Wait. Managed mailing. Remember that, Darren? We like managed mailing lists for companies all throughout like Allentown and like sold them. The paintball. Yeah, like paintball. all these different companies. Yeah, it was the weirdest thing. <laughs> We had, we had like printers running in our dorm room like 24-7 and our neighbors like knocking and pounding on our doors on like Saturday at 6 a.m. <laughs> yeah, we, we didn't have a lot of friends because of that. Yeah. Those were called dot matrix, dot matrix yeah. printers, kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think Darren and I were the first people in college to have a laser printer in our dorm room also. So... Ooh, that's thousands <laughs> oh God, of bucks yeah. back then. Yeah. So, um, anyway, I had a laptop, Gary. You'd know, be proud like of me. Green screen. And I had like a, a laptop. Disc. Yeah. It's it good times. <laughs> <laughs> remember, remember the typewriters that like you had like one little like screen LCD and you could like see one sentence. And if you made a mistake, you could change yep. it. And then you hit enter and you had to commit. And you're like, oh my God, I still had a typo. <laughs> so, <Yep. laughs> start your whole damn paper over again. What the hell? I feel old. Exactly. Now. Um, yeah, now I took typing class in high school, not computer oh, yeah. entry. So yeah, I, I can, I can. I can <laughs> the best too. class I ever took in high school. Um, oh, my teacher, I, he came in. He used to come in, and we, we were first period. It was the you started out in that, and uh, he always had his coffee in his coffee mug. But four rows back, you could smell the whiskey <laughs> in it, and uh, that dude was always lit by about halfway through the. Made the class pretty easy because he wasn't catching my typing errors at the end of the day. At least it wasn't shop class and he cut off his fingers or something. Yeah. Yeah. Fair point. Fair uh, point. (laughs) Anyway. um, Yeah. So, look, I'm by by trade, I'm a computer programmer. I've written millions of lines of code over my career, engineered multiple applications, many of them in the healthcare space. Um, And then I segued to cybersecurity in the late 90s when I built out one of the very first cloud based healthcare systems. Uh, we built this massive operation out of uh, Westchester in New York, out of a data center here. And we had thousands of people running cloud technology in the late 90s to early 2000s before really anyone even knew what the heck the cloud was. Um, and that was kind of my first introduction to security where we had just installed some relatively new state-of-the-art security measures because even back then systems were getting hacked. And I still remember to this day where we had installed the solution. My head engineer walks into my office he's like, hey, we got a major problem. Our security system just locked out 2,500 users and everyone's down. So we started digging into it and it was a legit hit. Like they, you know, the the system was attacked from an outside source. So we ended up calling the FBI and they sent agents up to our office and uh, they started investigating it. Long story short, they didn't get into the system, but uh, an attacker tried to breach it from Fort Lauderdale, Florida FBI invested the whole case and uh, ended up arresting him. And the guy spent many years in jail because of that attack. So that was my first like wake up call. Wow, this this stuff's real, right? You know, the, the risk that we could have had, we probably would have lost our business if he got in because you're looking at, you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of pieces of, uh, of patient data that could have been exposed. But in, in the end, it all worked out. So I always had this interest, you know, in, in, in security. I eventually got into some law enforcement as well. 
I still do that part time. Um, and, and if you look at what I do, it's kind of this combination, right? We're dealing with criminals all day long, right? We're dealing with the prevention yep. of these criminals from gaining access to these systems. And then we're dealing with the unfortunate event of them breaking into it and holding these businesses and, and individuals hostage, because not only do they encrypt all the machines with ransomware and demand hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars to decrypt the data, but they now also steal almost everyone's data, right? So if you're a small business or even an individual that gets hit, you're looking at a high likelihood, about 70 to 75% likelihood that they've taken everything on your computer. Um, so that's that's kind of the world you know we're in right now. And it's impacting every single part of our, our livelihood. Everything we do is connected to the internet and, and you know, these systems mm. are at risk. Everything from, you know, financials to healthcare, to small businesses, to power grids and supply chains, everything and military, right? Everything's being touched by, by these types of events. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely an extremely interesting and, and dynamic field to be in right now. Darren will even attest though, our industry here in, in, in the, in the media side, like with Caroline and I, we have had some huge problems with Salem Media and a bunch of other different stations out there that have had full-on ransomware attacks that has taken some systems down for weeks. I mean, I was watching my TV channel here, and they were doing the weather on whiteboards because they couldn't log into the weather computer. So it's been a big deal out there with that stuff and taken down, you know, multi-million dollar and billion dollar companies out there that uh, people thought they were prepared for, but quite frankly, they figured out they weren't. Yeah. Look, and- you know, the behind this, the, I was going to just say the behind of the scenes, uh, you know, in media, and, and I just actually just left the meeting uh, about that is uh, to Gary's point, the cloud, the cloud is now a solution for a lot of media companies because the behind the scenes is that there are commercial logs, there are music logs, there are programming logs that are all generated by computer, which when the listener or the viewer for TV uh, or even digital content is uh, consuming that content, you don't realize, but everything is logged. Uh, the commercials, uh, billing a client, uh, FCC requires a, an affidavit, a proof of performance. All of those things um, are, are tied into digital uh, and a former employer of mine did not only get hacked once, but got hacked twice. And if you think about the uh, revenue uh, with a company that's operating over a hundred radio stations and over 50 markets, uh, it adds up every day that you're offline. And, um, you know, I would then throw it back to Gary. I know that with the healthcare field, uh, the HIPAA rules and privacy, you know, is a whole nother layer in terms of uh, what you're giving up by uh, that, that data being breached and it's, you know, it's, it's a real life problem these days. No question, but to turn this around to our, to our listener, to our homeowners, home listeners, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's interesting, you know, Caroline had this, uh, you know, just what was that last week and not to pick on you, but I got an email from her with (laughs) attachment and I was like, I'm not opening that up. That does not (laughs) sound like Caroline. And sure enough, I'm like, hey, you got <laughs> hacked, day. I think. And she's like, yeah, I got hacked. Yeah. And then Darren, tr- Darren uh, opened it. Darren opened Sucker. it. <laughs> <laughs> and then, but we can't pick on Darren because Caroline's, one of Caroline's friends uh, got hacked and sent it back to her and she opened it again. So, so it was my web developer. I was expecting a um, estimate from her. So all of a sudden she sent the same thing back to me and like an idiot, I opened it. 
So I got I got dirty yeah, whipped twice. You, you got spearfished, <laughs> right? It was someone you know or trust that yeah. sent your email, and that's yeah. that's the big issue right now, right? Because you lower your guard when you know someone's like someone knocking at your door. You look through, you're like, oh, it's my friend. You let him in. You know, it's 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 the same mm-hmm. concept, you know, from from a your personal security. So what do we do, Gary? Like, I think I think it, yeah. For our houses, and then because we're all working, yeah, so at remote home. employees, right? A remote workforce. It's it's a huge issue, and it's one of the reasons why there are a lot more attacks right now. Is because people are working off their home machines, they're logging into their offices, right? And those machines aren't managed by their IT or managed service provider resources. They don't have proper patching and updates and and uh, security in place, and they put you know the businesses at risk. Um, you know, from a homeowner perspective, there's potential other issues, you know? Uh, so let's, let's take, let's take a scenario. Let's take a family of four, right? They're, they're all on the internet. All the kids have their laptops out. They're downloading games. They're doing all this stuff. Mom's on the same network and connected to her, her work network, right? Her office, the 13 year old Mm -hmm. son Googles the name of a game, downloads what he thinks is a legit game, installs it. It's ransomware. That spreads to mom's computer, and then mom's computer is connected to the work office, it spreads right into the office, right? So for home users, there's a lot of things that they need to be thinking about because you're crossing personal lives with business lives, right? And, and pre-COVID, that happened a little bit, but not to the extent that we're dealing with it now where most companies are mostly remote, Um you have smart devices. Everyone's got Wi-Fi. Everyone wants Wi-Fi that like spreads their internet through the entire neighborhood, right? I got to have it in my basement, <laughs> the third floor of my house. I got to have it at, you know, on the, the back four acres of my property. I don't have four acres, but, you know, conceptually, they're broadcasting this Wi-Fi all over the place, right? And look, if it's not configured properly, someone, a neighbor, someone, if you're in a big city, can can tap into your Wi-Fi and use your internet connection. And then when bad things happen, there's a possibility that it can spread from their machine to your machine. And the other part is if they're using your Wi-Fi, they're using your internet. If they're visiting sites that they shouldn't visit, for instance, that comes back to your IP address at your house under your account. You know, so you got to be you got to be cognizant of that as well. So setting up security on Wi-Fi is important, especially if you're using old technology. Some of these old Wi-Fi devices four plus years old they can all be broken into. Even some of the newer ones can be hacked, right? But people are like, oh, my Wi-Fi still works. Who cares? But they're not thinking about the security issue related to that. And then they have all this home automation, right? I, you know, I'm sure you guys have done home automation stuff, right? So you have your, your thermostat. Yep. I'm a home automation expert for the National Association <laughs> yeah, so of Home go. Builders. So I have right. hundred. I probably have 100 uh, devices <laughs> in my house. Exactly. So if you think about what watches, what listens, right, what opens, doors, et cetera, um, garages, right? We have all this home automation. Those devices get compromised. You can get messed with. Let me, let me give you the perfect example, right? This mm-hmm. is a, this is a real world case that we dealt with. Um, client uh, called us and she happens to be a, a doctor and said, Hey, listen, I have um, some automation within my office for uh, music. And I also have cameras. And she said, here's what happens every time and she happens to deal with children. All right. So I'll leave it at that. Every time she walked from room to room, um, when she went into the next room, the music station would change to highly inappropriate radio stations. And she's got 13-year-old kids in a chair. So long story wow. short, wow. we got in there and we found that her network was actually compromised. 
And what they were doing is they had gained access to her cameras and watched her move in the office from room one to two to three. And the second she moved into the next room, they would hit the streaming service, change the radio station, crank up the volume and basically mess with her emotionally. Right. And this, this, was a hundred percent proven, wow. right? This wasn't what, a Gary, like, thing what or, is the reason that, so we weren't able to figure out what's the reason that, I mean, I know you probably yeah. don't know this. What's the reason people do this? Like, why do they, like, what's the motive behind doing this? Is it just power that they can? Right. Like, I so, mean, what do you find to be like the reasoning people are, I mean, the challenge in? with this type of case is we couldn't trace it back to the source, right? We knew someone had gained access to the system, had a persistence or had access to the system and we're, performing these tasks with the, with the radio stations, we weren't able to obviously trace it back. There's ways of hiding on the internet nowadays. That takes a lot of you know government resources to track you down. It's just not what we're going to do. We fixed our problem and, and prevented them from getting in again. But yeah, look, I think in this case, it was just malicious, you know, to mess with our power trips, you know, things like that. Look, it could also have been, you know, someone that had an issue with her in the past. Um, there's always a poss- possibility sure. You know, it was just it was just a malicious thing, um, mm. you know, so that in, in this case, it, it wasn't your traditional type of attack where, you know, the business or the individual has ransomware all over their networks. They were a mess, messing with her emotionally. But but the flip side to this scenario is when she found out they were watching her, she felt personally violated. Right. So not only were they messing with the radio stations, they're like, oh, mm. so they could watch me throughout my entire day at my office. And the answer was yes. Right. And we've all heard of like the baby monitors. Right. We've seen these stories on the news channels where people have them connected to their Wi-Fi and there's a vulnerability with either the device itself. Right. The monitoring device or they gain access to the network and watch these devices from inside the network. Like this is a huge invasion of privacy. And and I think that's I wouldn't want that. You know, you want someone watching what you're doing in your house, outside your house, listening. Right. Which may even be worse. Um, that's 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 a tough pill to swallow. And. People have to think about when they put these types of technologies in their homes that there's risk, right? We can't be like, oh, that comes from, you know, a Fortune 100 company. It has to be secure, right? I have the best Wi-Fi out there. It has to be secure, right? These are the types of mindsets that get people into trouble, right? When they they just make assumptions that I'm going to be fine. Look, the reality is in the cyber world, I'm sure everyone knows this, if it's connected to the internet, it's, it's susceptible to an attack. Right. Every company has it's free game. It's free. free Yeah, it's game on. You you hook it up, you connect it. It's it's game Mm -hmm. on. You know, right. For for the hackers. And and sometimes there's systemic issues right there. There are companies that have Wi-Fi devices or modems that you, you know, you plug your uh, fiber connection in or your cable connection into those devices are systemically vulnerable. And there's hundreds of thousands or millions of them out there. And there will be notifications sent out that every single device out there is vulnerable to an attack and they have to be patched. They have to be updated. So now you're like, oh, well, I just have cameras kind of inside my house, you know, but they're connected to my Internet, but no one from the outside can see them. Well, if someone gets through your your modem or through your firewall into your home network, it's game on for them. Right. They'll be able to potentially access those types of devices. So a lot of people don't put Eric, you're done. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's a good yeah. question. You know, Gary, there's a good question here because, yeah, here's a good question for you. You know, as a whole, and this is going to be a very broad question, but so many of us with smart home devices, we lean on the security of these companies that we deal with. And I'm going to throw some just big, broad names like Ring Doorbell or, you know, 
Alexa or any of these other devices that are. And I mean, I've got stuff that, you know, that um, I can, you know, I can unlock my doors. I can open my garage door. You know, I can monitor my electrical system and all these other things. As a whole, how secure is the the industry or is it just company by company? Because we all trust that, okay, we're going to come up with a really good password. We're going to do our own basic security stuff. But really, if they get into their system, they could probably get into ours. So let's let's kind of break those out. So one of the things that you're starting to see more, and I'll pick on Ring, for instance, is the ability to do end-to-end encryption which basically means you establish a password that no one else has, no one else can technically get at, and the transmission from your camera to, say, your cell phone is encrypted and it technically can't be intercepted. That's the concept with encryption. All right, so then you look at other camera companies that provide similar services as Ring. They don't offer that. So technically, if someone gains access to the server, intercepts that information, they can, they can see those feeds, those videos feeds. So you want to start looking at things like that. Strong passwords, like you alluded to, are really important. Um, multi-factor authentication, right, where it sends you an SMS code or an app pops up on your phone to authenticate mm-hmm. your login, that's important. So when we, when we look at security, and I'll, I'll also address your question about various types of devices, when we look at security, security is always a multi-layer defense, Right? There is no single piece of software or single piece of hardware, hardware, regardless of how much money you want to spend on it, that solves this problem. Right, So you can't just say, like, I'm just going to use a 20-character password and my system's not going to get hacked. It doesn't work that way. But maybe I implement the multi-factor authentication. I use unique passwords on every single account. I make sure my devices, to answer your other question, Eric, are always being patched with the latest version of the software. Many of these vendors that you've mentioned and, and many other types of IoT devices, which is really what you have, Internet of Things in your, in your homes and, and, and businesses, they're relying on um, or the end users are relying on patches that come from these manufacturers. So some of these devices allow you to auto update. Right. So the second it gets a notification that there's a new piece of software. Great. Maybe it's some new features, but kind of the secret sauce is most of the time it's security fixes. I think we all know that, right? All the major vendors are constantly pounding out new updates because like, oh, this can get hacked that way. This can get hacked this way. We need to update, update, update. Um, but if you're like, eh, I refuse, I don't need that update. I don't want that. Well, mm. you, that's how you start putting yourself potentially at risk. Um, so uh, it is important for these manufacturers to release these updates, but it's also on them. You know, So if, if they're not pushing out updates, they don't have security front and center then ultimately that risk transfers to you, right? Because in the end, you're the end user. I mean, you also brought up a really interesting concept of this third-party risk where one of these IoT manufacturers have their systems compromised and the hackers gain access to every single one of their customers' infrastructures. It's happened, right? It, it, it happened within the last year. Yeah. You look at Kaseya, which is the um, company that provides tools for IT companies to access uh, their client systems, they got hacked and they gained access to thousands of businesses across the United States. This is kind of the, the these types of grand scale attacks are devastating, right? Very, very difficult to recover from. So you have an IoT device hanging on your wall, a thermostat, camera systems, um, smart devices like TVs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is it possible that through a piece of software, 
that's managed by a third party. They could gain access to that software and gain access to your device, flip the microphone on, turn the cameras on, capture your feeds. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. Um, So you're really just, you're at the mercy of the vendors, Eric, to answer your question, that they're going to do the right thing. They're going to keep security front and center. And really what it is, it's a grassroots effort. It's, It's folks like you saying to these vendors, hey, what are you doing for security? You know, and, and, and that's what forces the issue for a lot. Or they get sued, them accountable. Right? They have some massive lawsuit and now all of a sudden security is important. You know, so it, it's it's important for, for individuals to start asking those questions on these on these forums, on these message boards, all these, you know, all these other places. Hey, how do I know my my device is going to be you know safe and secure? How, how long are you pushing updates? What type of security do you guys have in place to make sure you guys don't get hacked? And then that hack results in a hack of my house or my small business, you know, things like that. Gary, I got a question for you too. Uh, and I'll use Darren as an example. Let's say Darren's hanging out in Midtown Manhattan. He's moseying down the block, heading to a meeting, doing his thing. And, you know, you've got your, let's say, Apple iPhone sitting there, and it's always looking for an internet connection, right? It's always looking for that <laughs> Wi Fi connection. And if you're paying attention on your phone, every time you go by someplace, it's trying to auto connect to a Wi Fi signal. Like, for instance, I'm on um, Comcast as a Xfinity as a thing. If I'm cruising down the street, it's looking for hotspots. And I actually turned that feature off on my phone because it was irritating and I did thought it was a security risk. Is something like that a security risk that you should be aware of with your phone? Look, anytime a device connects to unknown Wi-Fi, and that's basically what you're talking about, it could be a hotel, a restaurant, a store, Often those networks are shared networks. So now your device appears on a network with everyone else that's connected. Um, so what I usually say is if you don't need the Wi-Fi, turn it off, especially um, Bluetooth, right? Mm-hmm. If you're going to an airport, a hotel, a big city, you're traveling around, what the hell, you know, what the heck do you need Bluetooth for? Unless maybe you have a wireless, you know, earpiece, um, turn that stuff off, right? Because these are the types of technologies that, if someone knows what they're doing, can potentially compromise them. I will tell you that for the most part, you know, iPhones, even Android devices are locked down well, but nothing is unbeatable um, for, for the for the most part. So it's just like, you know, I'm sure you guys talk about home security. You can put the little, you know, $12, you know, lock on the front of the door and a criminal comes by and laughs and takes their heel of their foot mm-hmm. and applies a little pressure with a kick and the door flies open. Or you can put you know, a $500 top of line deadbolt and an alarm system and a big barking dog, right? And it's the same thing with all these devices. We, we go back to kind of like laying the security. It's the same thing. So if you don't need the Wi-Fi because you're rolling around in 4G or 5G territory, why are you going to turn the Wi-Fi on, right? I mean, most people have unlimited plans. But yeah, look, in, in the Darren scenario, I would say turn that stuff off, right? Um, and it's also tracking where you are in many hey, cases. Hey, Gary, so, so... Go ahead. Ooh. True. So, Gary, like, for example, um, I really like the smart mm-hmm. locks for houses, right? Because I like the idea of not having a key. What's the danger there? Like, is it really not the best thing to do? I mean, is it still better to stick with a traditional right. key system than something that's a smart lock or, yeah. you know, Wi-Fi activated or through Look, your phone? Look, I think, I think it's a couple things. Uh, I, those types of devices have a place, right? Especially with kids and family members and, and folks coming into your, your homes potentially to, to service them not having to give a physical key out to them, there's value, right? Because if that key is lost per se, someone can take the key and open it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it just goes back to what I said originally, which is any of these devices can potentially be compromised. But in the end, what's actually going to happen? Is someone going to roll onto your property with some pretty high tech devices, right? And and try and break into the Bluetooth <laughs> signal and, and open your front door. Well, I guess if they want in bad enough, that's a possibility. I think your bigger risk is your actual account, right? That account you use to manage those devices, right? Mm-hmm. You go to the website, slage.com for argument's sake, you create your account, right? You can manage it there. You can change mm-hmm. passwords and all that stuff. If you don't lock that account down properly with you know, unique, strong passwords, right? Don't ever use the same password on that website you use anywhere else. Use a minimum of like 14 characters and numbers. Um, and then use multi-factor authentication. Like that's probably more of a target than some dude rolling up with some high-tech, you know, Bluetooth cracking tools, right? Look, it's, <laughs> it's possible. Like I said, if, if you're a big enough target, you know, um, they, they want to take off with Carolyn's plane that she lands in her backyard. I mean, you know, you got, yeah. <laughs> you, you got, you got to protect the Learjet, right? My Jag. <laughs> so, um, yep, the my Jag. jag. The I got to protect yeah, my yeah. Jaguar, exactly. my Jag. But look, it's, I, I think this type of, this is where we are as a society. That's what I tell people. They get hacked all the time. They're like, oh, I'm just disconnecting everything. I'm like, yeah, but you can't go back. Once we've gone so far with this technology, taking steps backwards is very difficult for, mm-hmm. for people in business to do. Um, so the best bet is to, to do your best to protect it. And, and I think, Eric, one of the things that we all have to think about is, and this applies to home users also, uh, a terminology called attack surface. So I think Carolyn's idea is perfect, right, it, related to attack surface. She's, she's got this Bluetooth lock that opens the front door of her house. And she's thinking, and I don't mean to be talking for you, but I think conceptually she's thinking, well, how can someone walk up to my door and hack this thing and get the door to pop open? For me as a security expert, I'm saying that's less likely, the more likely avenue is they're going to hack her account online and then leverage that account to possibly, you know, do things to her door. Because we know we can go to these websites and click on an icon on the website and the door opens, you know, so that's, Mm. that, that's potentially it. So we have to look at, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Darren. I mean, I've. Go ahead, Darren. Uh, Darren wanted to Darren say something. Darren had a question, too. so yeah, I, I want to go with Darren. I was going to just ask. Um, I think we're. Uh, I'm definitely not Mr. Tech savvy. I, I think even uh, chatting about it now, it's. I feel like I'm a beginner. <laughs> but uh, Gary, what would be the best way? Um, you're talking about having unique passwords for unique sites. Uh, What's the best way these days, aside from uh, scribbling it on a, a mm-hmm. notebook that you stick under your bed, what's a mm. great way to manage passwords? And then, you know, they say to change yeah. passwords every amount of time. What would be right. your layman's nickel tour of doing that? So there are some amazing tools out there. I think Darren Darren nailed it, right? How do we, how do we deal with all these passwords? Because in the end, what do we do? We're like, well, I'll use this password for this bank, this bank, and this bank. And then for my Amazon, I'm going to use this password. It's impossible. Yeah. I would say most of us probably have a hundred different accounts we manage through everything. So, exactly. and, and I'm going to I'm going to answer Darren's question in a second. But let me under let me help you understand where there's risk. So Carolyn uses the password. I like, you know, home improvements uh, is her is her password, right? I like home improvements is her password. <laughs> And she logs into a bank using that password. That bank is compromised. They steal her username and her password. Then they take her username and password and load it into a hacking tool called a credential stuffer. And the credential stuffer will take Carolyn's username and password and go out to hundreds of the most common sites and insert her username and password into all these sites. Carolyn 
Oh no. Yeah. So oh, Carolyn was at, you know, ABC local bank. It gets hacked. She has, for argument's sake, an Amex card. She uses the same password for the Amex. They load in the credentials stuff, mm-hmm. they hit Amex, they're in her account. So, <laughs> so, oh. so to Darren's point, how do we create? And then she calls Gary. He yeah. says, oh. Gary, what do I do? <laughs> I think I've had like two of those. That's what's happening. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Gary, can you fix this, please? please. <laughs> We're friends, right? You're not going to charge me. Um, <laughs> so, but to Darren's point, he has her. <laughs> So to, to Aaron's point, he's got he's got a re, you know re, really good suggestion. Like how do how do I manage this? Because I can't scribble this stuff on a piece of paper. Like that's the worst thing you can do. So there are tools called password managers. You can look them up. Some of them are free. Some of you pay literally a couple dollars. They are multi-platform capable. So you can use them on an Apple, on a Windows machine, on an iPhone, on an Android. And basically, what they do is you install the app on these devices you create a very strong master password. And typically these passwords are encrypted. So even if you lose it, the vendor can't find it for you. Um, And what the tool does is when you go to a website, let's just pick on American Express, right? You go to American Express, you log in, you have this tool installed on your desktop and you immediately say, I wanna change my password. Okay, so you enter your current password that you've used on 10 different websites. And then, the American Express webpage will redisplay an option to create a new password. The password manager will then pop up on your screen. It's like, hey, would you like me to insert a 20, 25 character string of random numbers and special characters and upper and lowercase letters? And you're like, hell yeah. And you hit OK and boom, it throws the password in. And then you hit change password. And then the password management tool memorizes that password. So now the second time that Carolyn goes to American Express, the password manager opens and says, would you like me to insert your username and password? And Carolyn says, yes. And it inserts the username and password and logs are in. And you repeat this process for every single website, every single application you use. And now you have an infinite number of these very, very complex passwords. So that defeats the credential stuffing tool that I talked about earlier, right? Where Carolyn is going to reuse her username, password across multiple websites. That's a very mm-hmm. effective way. If you look at a, many reason, if you look at the reasons why many people have their personal stuff hacked or even their businesses, it's because they reuse passwords or they fall for the phishing and spear phishing emails, or they have these vulnerabilities, which we haven't even talked about. <laughs> so look, here's a tool that could cost you four or five bucks a month. And I'll give you some names. I'm not endorsing any of them, but you know, check out. Yeah, give yeah, names. Yeah, like yeah give Pass. names, Gary. Like who's yeah, good? Yeah, LastPass, L-A-S-T-P-A-S-S, LastPass, Dashlane, you know, technologies mm-hmm. like that, really effective. Um, you know, so so some people come back to me like, well, what happens if that gets hacked? Look, the reality is, as far as I know, there's only ever been one compromise of those accounts. But what I would say to everyone is it's way more likely that your current passwords get stolen and reused on different websites than it is for the password tool to get hacked. Makes it harder. I mean, you just don't want to make it easy for them to get in. It's common sense. Like make them jump over this hoop, run through this fence, do this. If they're going to hack you, at least give them a yeah. run for their money. Like just don't hand it well, over that's the to thing. them. You got you to stand up for yourself. You got to fight back. Right. And, that, and that's the reality. See what I, what I did is I, and this was my little brainchild, which, which is also susceptible, but I have different passcodes for the level of security that I care about. You know, if it's an app where it's a rewards code, I've got some dumb passcode that I use for all those where it doesn't have my financial information in it, 
It's just, uh, hey, you know, I got this, got that. It's still secure. I've got capitals. I've got, you know, different symbols from a dash to a pound to a money to whatever, you know. Gary, he's giving us the code. He's giving yeah. us his code right here. The techno- <laughs> I'm socially engineering him and he doesn't even know. I'm busting it. <laughs> yeah. But you know what I mean? I've got different levels for different stuff. And, and, the, and the more secure I want it, the, the longer and the more complex it is. But I do like what you're saying about using one of the programs because that's that's going to be kind of the ultimate of security, really, from where Look, it comes from. And you can from. use that same tool to manage your Wi-Fi, your router, your modem, maybe even if you have a firewall right at your home or your small business. Like that's yep. that's another way you can you can protect those devices. So this is, I think, I think it's a great thing for you know for parents and kids, you know, to maybe uh, you know, I, I think in terms of education, you know, my dad is the first. I'm the first person he calls and then I call a buddy of mine who's smarter than me. And, uh, you know, maybe this, maybe this kind of helps that, you know, so that the person, uh, child, adult, mm-hmm. whoever can kind of feel independent enough, uh, technology, technologically so that they can kind of keep their, you know, house in order, so to speak. So, so, so Darren has an interesting concept here. So one of the things that these password managers can do is, um, allow you to share your password with family members and friends without showing them the password. So maybe there's something you want. Yeah. Maybe for instance, for some reason you're going to be going away for a while out of the country and you want your neighbor to have access to your ring device for argument's sake. Right. Well, you can, you can share that password through LastPass, for instance. And then when you get home, you terminate that access and they don't know your password. They could never see your password and they have, they no longer have access to it. The same thing can apply for children, right? Um, maybe you can allow them to use a certain type of application a certain time of the day by restricting their passwords. And there are actual parental applications that um, allow or restrict access to the internet, to certain types of websites, to certain types of applications. Like there, there's a lot of cool technology out there you just got to search it out and, and, and figure out, you know, what's good and, and, and what's not. And So if you had a contractor working mm-hmm. at your house, you could share your door code with them without ever giving them so much of the access to that. If it's that type of door code where they could have access. So I said, um, maybe, uh, yeah, maybe. So, depending I on guess the it code. depends on the application. It wouldn't work on mine. It, <laughs> it wouldn't work on mine because mine, I have to actually physically touch in a code. Yeah. I have to physically punch it in, which is a lot different, yeah. but I can also use my phone to do it. So I don't know if that would so, work. So yeah, it depends. Some of these, yeah. some of these, uh, entry devices, um, allow different levels of access into them. So someone may, may only be able to, you know, punch in a code, another level access gives them admin access to control who can and can't enter a code and, and rescind yeah. that access. So yeah, technically, with that's why I kind of said maybe, you know, with these password managers, yeah. you could potentially give someone temporary access to those apps um, and then, you know, obviously, obviously take it away. But I do know some of these these uh, electronic door locks, you can assign, say, up to 10 or 15 different codes for different, you know, different yep. uh, vendors, employees. Mine can yeah, for sure. Things like that. And that way you can track who's punching it in. You know what I like, yeah. Gary? I, I like that as a business owner, 
I worry if something happens to me that nobody would be able to get into my accounts, right? So whether it's emails, businesses, bank accounts, and be able to access that in case I was incapacitated. So this would allow me to have access and give access to somebody within the corporation or mm-hmm. a family member or whatever to be able to access all those yeah, documents, look, And, and right? something That's that right. you could do is almost escrow your master password. So in the event of your death, God forbid, right? Mm. You know, for instance, an attorney holds the master right. password to your encryption codes uh, or excuse me, the master password, which is your decryption right. code. And then they would go in and instantly be able to access all the accounts that are in these password management tools. So there are there are, there are families that actually do that, that, husbands and wives, who will have their own, for instance, LastPass or Dashlane accounts, and they actually put them in a sealed envelope. They go to their attorney's office and they say, hey, in the event of something catastrophic, you know, the attorney is mm. authorized to open it and turn the password uh, decryption code over to the spouse or the significant other. Right or family members, so it's it's an interesting way of 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 centralizing all of all of that information, alarm codes, for instance, yeah. Yeah. everything you know. So interesting yeah. stuff. Interesting. Now, I have a question yeah. for you, Gary. Is it smart for a homeowner in a residential application to start using a VPN or a virtual? private network. Yeah. So let's, there, there are typically two types of VPNs. So let's make sure we're talking kind of the same thing, Eric. There's the type of VPN mm-hmm. that allows you to say, connect from your home computer to the corporate environment, right? And you're basically taking your home yep. network and connecting it to your office network. So it's as if you're sitting in the corporate office, that's one type of network. Mm-hmm. The other type of VPN basically is designed to mask your location. So are we talking both the... Either way. Either way. I mean, just even if you're not trying to get in there, you know, if you there's a lot of security software that you can buy that that will throw the quote unquote VPN package mm-hmm. with it or you can sure. purchase that. And, uh, you know, there's plenty of those, as you know, yep. out there. But I know it's options for people out there that maybe aren't even trying to get into the corporate environment, but they're trying to to hide that. Yeah, so v- VPNs do play a critical role. Um, the, the type that you and I are talking about now, they're good for certain things. Like maybe you are in a, live in a country or you're traveling to a country where the government monitors everything, restricts access to say US-based news, right? Fly over for argument's sake to China, uh, you're probably Mm -hmm. not going to hit CNN or Fox News from there, Mm -hmm. um, right? Because they're controlling the the media. So these VPNs allow you to mask your location. So within, within two seconds, Eric can appear to be in Switzerland or Costa Rica, right? Or, Mm -hmm. or the Netherlands. And, there's a couple of advantages to that for, for various reasons. Hopefully you're using it for good purposes, um, but you can limit what your or basically restrict what your Internet service provider tracks about you. Right. So they're not going to typically be able to see what websites you're visiting, things like that. That doesn't mean it's untrackable. It just means, you know, someone like that probably can't. It also typically limits the types of ads that are going to be delivered to you. Um, obviously, your computer itself could still be cookied and it keeps track of you know, I like pink sneakers, right? So now every time you go, you know, to a store, it's pink sneakers. Yeah, right? It's that. interesting how that works. We have that a lot. Facebook, yeah. Instagram. Yeah, Caroline and I will be researching something for the show. And if I go look at Sub-Zero refrigerators to see what the new feature is on the new model, I've got 10 days of Sub-Zero oh, yeah. refrigerators showing up uh, in my in on everything that I look at for yeah, the next 10 I mean, days. It's, it's definitely interesting in terms of how they track us from a marketing perspective, every website you go to, right? What you search for, that's all being delivered back to you. I mean, everyone jokes like, oh, my app's listening to me. Okay, there are some of those that do that, but typically it's your search behavior. You know, the types of things you're looking at 
you know, and okay. but, but the VPNs help, uh, Eric help one second. Uh, the VPNs do help limit some of that. Mm-hmm. It does kind of mask your, 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 your location. Um, so there are, there are some, there are some benefits to it. Um, so yeah. I have a super fast internet connection. It seems to slow things down a little bit. So the, the way these VPNs work, it depends on what technology you're using. So let's let's give you an example of um, an environment where you're not using a VPN. So let's just say, for argument's sake, you sit down at your computer, you want to see the latest news. So you fire up your browser and you go to foxnews.com or cnn.com. It goes literally from mm-hmm. kind of your computer to your internet service provider, right to the CNN or Fox News servers, and then the data sent back to you. Pretty quick, right? Fractions of a second. When you use a VPN, what it does is it connects you to an anonymous server somewhere in the world. So you connect to the server. Then the server makes this connection to CNN or Fox News. And then CNN or Fox News sends the data back to this anonymous server. And then this anonymous server pushes the information back to you. So adding in this additional layer slows it down. And then you're also potentially limited by, hey, how many people are on that server? What kind of bandwidth does that server have? So yes, um, in almost all cases, unless you're getting on at like three o'clock in the morning, most of the time you will see a slowdown. Some people say 15 to 30% slowdown, sometimes more, sometimes less, right? So you, you once again, you're balancing you know, security with um, you know, efficiency. So, uh, but yeah, look, there's, there's definitely reasons why uh, you want to do that. And another interesting thing is, if you let's just say for argument's sake you're you're going to Germany, you can connect to a server in Germany, and whenever you go to websites, if you speak German, they're all delivered in German because the website recognizes that you're geolocated in Germany, and it's going to send you the web page in German. Verse, oh, you're in the United States. I'm going to send it to you in English if it has that capability. So there are there are some advantages to to using them as well. So. And you're seeing that in retail stores. Like, for instance, I looked up something at Home Depot the other day, ran into Home Depot, and I was like, what aisle was that on? Because it was was a weird little product. And so I grabbed my phone, and it's in store mode. It says, you're now in store mode, and it's giving me directions on how to get to what aisle from where I'm standing. And it's giving me arrows to get to that area in the store. It's saying, make a right. And it's map questing inside the store. Interesting. For yeah, I haven't seen that yet. Very cool, though, right? If, if you're into that, right? Some people love technology and any, anything that, you know, is cutting edge and, and is interesting and helps them, you know, get in and out of the store more efficiently, have at it. Other people don't like, you know, that that's so, being tracked. Yeah. Yes. So, Gary, how do we keep our anonymity? How do we search sites, not letting people know we're there? not getting ads if we don't want it. And then I guess too, you and I joked about it, but you know, say somebody wants to visit a site that maybe isn't, you know, a little different, (laughs) you know, a little secret site. I don't know. But anyway, they want to, I mean, how do people do this and protect themselves and not have to get a million ads and, you know, so what I always like to say is (laughs) unless you really, really, really know what you're doing, it's, not impossible, but it's difficult to be completely anonymous. So let's look at a couple different technologies. So first is the VPN. That's that's an effective technology. But keep mm-hmm. in mind, stuff is still stored in your browser. Yeah. Uh, take a look at a alternative to Chrome called Brave. Uh, I think it's brave.com. It's, an, it's a type of browser that yeah. um, purports to be more uh, not only secure, but uh, it blocks a lot of the tracking capabilities that these websites have. It informs you, hey, this website's trying to drop all the stuff on your computer. Are you cool with it? 
you know, you can do certain types of uh, like incognito modes that even if it does drop a cookie, the second you close it, it's not tracking you. Uh, you can use a different search engine called DuckDuckGo instead of Google.com. Yep, That's a popular Duck, one. Go. Yep, DuckDuckGo Duck, once again mm -hmm. says that they're completely anonymous. Um, so, you know, maybe a combination of DuckDuckGo and, and a VPN may help, you know, limit what someone can know or track about you. Keep in mind that nothing's 100%. If someone wants information and they have enough resources, they're probably going to get it. Um, so, you know, DuckDuckGo is, is another good way of doing it. But look, the, the cookies that these um, websites drop on your computers, that's ultimately what's typically tracking you and your internet service provider. Some internet service providers will sell your, your um, website history, you know, to, to vendors who then sell it to other companies to target you directly. So if you're a person who constantly mm -hmm. looks up clothing and shoes or tools, right? There mm -hmm. are there are marketing mm -hmm. companies Jeez. that will buy that data and be like, oh, this is a tool guy. Hey, you know, the company that starts with M and the company that starts with D, right? They're going to be like, oh, yep. send that data over. <laughs> I can directly target him or her. And there's tremendous value there. It's no different than old school media where, I mean, Darren knows this better than all of us, right? You, you got to be on the right radio station or TV show to, to get your correct target audience, right? All of a sudden you're looking for you know, a very conservative group of individuals that are between the ages of 21 and 40, and you're actually taking an ad out on people who are extremely liberal that are 60 to 90, for argument's sake, you're missing the wrong target yeah. market. So anyway, we're off topic a little bit, but conceptually, the selling of this information is is really where the value is, you know, with, with and Darren's over there saying, Darren's going, don't help my people. I'm trying to sell digital ads. Don't try blocking no, but, them. No, I, I actually, you know what? I, I, I'd love to hear Gary's take on it from the technical uh, perspective. But, you know, the technology exists now because uh, I sell it uh, that, you know, your device, you know, has a unique ID and your ID uh, on your device uh, gets I, again, Gary, mm -hmm. maybe you can tell us how it gets connected, but it's connected to your, it knows your email, it knows your browsing and your user, the user experience, companies can now follow you and mm -hmm. and know that you went into the store, uh, geofarming, geofencing. So, you know, these, this device that we all take with mm -hmm. us, it's it's kind of like that diary that I think companies tap into. What What's a good practice in terms of, you know, hiding Guarding, right. shutting off on. You so, talked about the Bluetooth and Wi-Fi, right. but so as there are as privacy becomes more and more of a concern for people in the United States, right? Europe's years ahead of us on privacy. That's the reality. Like GDPR, they're years, sure. years ahead. But now what you're starting to see is we have these global companies. Look at Google, look at Apple. They're being forced to disclose all of the information they have on all of their quote unquote customers or users. So you know, you can actually go into these platforms now and start turning off a lot of these tracking. This We could do a whole other show on this. So, but I'll give you a high level answer, Darren. Yep. Google search it. You know, yep. what does Alexa know about me? And believe it or not, you can go into Google's website now and actually hear mm. the recordings that they have about you. Right. You could hear like a conversation you're having, you know, with someone in your house or that conversation. Mm -hmm. that, hey, you know, hey, Alexa, what's the weather forecast? So they're going to take that voice print and store it up in Google. So you can go in there, listen to these and be like, delete, you know, and, and, and take all of those away. Look, the geo, the geolocation, Darren, look, that's a powerful marketing tool. 
and and you go to the Javits Center for a trade show, the auto show, for instance, right? Maybe the major auto manufacturer I'm like, hey, I want to geolocate around the Javits Center in New York City and I want to deliver ads on my 2023 vehicle, right? And I want people to show up at my booth to look at this concept car. Look, that's powerful marketing, all right? And and um, but yes, your device will often hand it off that type of information, but also keep in mind that. Some of these apps that we download, what do we do? We look at the end user license agreement. We flip through the 30 pages and hit accept. And you just agreed to give them whatever they wanted. And you can't be like, oh, I didn't know. Right. I didn't agree to that. Well, you did. You agreed to your text messages, your phone book, your GPS coordinates, your your camera, your microphone, all these things. And then they're like, but it's but it's an Apple device. It can't spy on me. Like, that's what Apple's all about. Okay, well, you told it to do it. Right. So I think we have to look to, to Darren's point. I think it's a great question. We have to look at this at, at, uh, more broadly and understand, hey, what apps are on my phone? What have I agreed to? The major organizations, Apple, Google, Microsoft, for instance, what have I agreed to in their licenses? And can I go in there and change the settings? And what I'm kind of telling you is you can. Right. Most of the time you can turn off all these tracking capabilities, the recording capabilities, uh, geolocation. You just, you just have to go into these applications and do it. And like I said before, just search it, right? Google search it. Make sure you end up on the real website, not someone who's trying to target you for an attack because that <laughs> happens. And we've had <laughs> clients that research something. Hey, I need the latest version to QuickBooks. They click on a link and they get hit with an attack, you know, because it's not into its website. So just... It's also hidden, oh, yeah. Gary. Like a lot of this stuff isn't like I go in there to shut off apps and I'm yeah, like, you get lost in there. It's not easy to find. And they, they bury everything. And then you, and then I get so frustrated. I'm like, I don't even know how to turn this off. And then you stop yeah, look, and you I mean, just give up. Right. So. so Gary, I got a, I got a security question for you here. If you're working from home and you know, I work from home, Caroline works from home. We have desktops, you know, that kind of stuff versus your laptop sitting in there, your living room or dining room. But do you prefer security wise to have a hardwired connection or do you prefer to have it uh, Wi-Fi? So hardwired is always going to be more secure because a majority of Wi-Fi can be hacked. That's, that's the reality of it. Um, once again, what's the person's intent? You know, how much time are they willing to do it? But some of the older Wi-Fi devices, there are tools you can download off the internet right now that'll crack your Wi-Fi in minutes. Um, so if possible, wired is better. Um, but I think we all kind of live in a world where especially of any type of home automation, you, that it has to be, for the most part, wireless, right? You can't take, I don't know of any mm -hmm. commercially available, right, to uh, uh, thermostats, for instance, that have, you know, a network jack in the back of the, the thermostat. They're like, hey, set up your Wi-Fi. Like, there's not even mm -hmm. an option. So if we yep. like these types of devices and we can accept the risk, then we're going to have to have wireless. If you want to be as hardcore as possible, then, you know, go wired. You know, my, my security guys, right, they're, they're like, yeah, we don't have Wi-Fi in our house. But it's not always practical, you know. So security yeah. is all about a balance. That's what I tell everyone. Like, you can push security so far to one direction, you can't function as a person or you can't function as a business. So it's kind of like this, hey, where's the middle ground here where I can function as an, a person or I can function as a business? And that's where a lot of organizations land. And then what's at risk? Right. What's what's behind or inside my network that if I do get hit, that could potentially put me out of business. And if there's not a lot there, then, all right, maybe you move towards the convenience side versus security side versus, hey, uh, if they get into my network here, uh, I'm done as a company. 
right? Or I'm done as an individual, right? They can, they can access my stuff. And then we're going to move the needle more towards the security side. Uh, it's just anything in life. It's about risk mitigation. You want to drive 75, 80 in a 40 mile an hour zone? Okay. There's some risk associated with that. You know, it may work out okay. It may not for you. Uh, you know, <laughs> maybe I'll take my reciprocating saw and just go right through the wall and hope not to hit a, uh, you know, uh, 120 <laughs> volt or... Um, like I did uh, in AC worse. conduit, right? I got a face full of Freon. That was yep. awesome. So, uh, <laughs> oh, bummer. That, that's like a $2,000. Oops. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, was, it was old school Freon, right? right? It was like this tiny little can. Oh. For God knows how much. Oh. Now we run all the copper pipe. Got it. Whole other story. I know it's a home oh, yeah, show, so it, it's applicable. But maybe it's a we like blue, it. Bluetooth reciprocating saw, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, actually, I, I have one of those. Mike, Milwaukee's got them, right? Yep. Yeah, that's what yeah. I got. It's they're awesome. I got a couple Bluetooth yeah, right back cool. there. But I'll be honest, that's one of the things that's great in tools is that with them and their one key, that if somebody steals my reciprocating saw, I can go on and mark it as theft stolen. And when it gets around another phone with that app, if I report it as stolen, it turns into a brick. Cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Until they wrap it with tinfoil, right? <laughs> exactly. Well, well, actually, it's in the because it's got a computer in it. So then, what happens is, is that usually, most likely, that thief will go into the Milwaukee Service Center and go, "Hey, I want a new one because this one quit ah, working." And then they plug into the computer and go, "Oh, that's Eric G saw that was stolen here yeah. on stolen. this day, and we're going to exactly. return it to him." Meet the sheriff outside, right? Stolen. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Cool. No, that's, 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 yeah, so, look, I mean, this is cool technology. You know, if you think about it, some of these connected devices have tremendous value. You know, you're, you're a contractor, you know, for instance, these tools are expensive. I know what they, I know what they run for. You have someone walk into your, your, uh, your build and all of a sudden, you know, $3,000 worth of Milwaukee tools disappears. Maybe there's the ability to recover them. I mean, that's, that's, that's good. Some of that stuff that happens too with those is a great example is that you're seeing contractors, you know, their, their employees, maybe you're doing, working on the weekends, doing side jobs, using their work tools and they can geofence those things on the weekend. So when it leaves the employee's address, they can actually, Hey, it left home. Where are those tools yeah. going? Mm -hmm. And they can actually track where the tools huh. went. Let's so see. if they're working them on side jobs, they can actually track the hours on the tools and stuff. S send them crazy. a bill, right? <laughs> yep. <Your> rental. <laughs> <laughs> yep, absolutely. So what other tips did we miss, Gary, with this, you know, with some of these things here? I mean, emails are mm -hmm. always a problem. That's probably the easiest way for people to, to get access yep. into the system, right, is just through a phishing email. Yeah, so a couple tips. Learn about... Um, Cybersecurity awareness, right? So CISA, which is a government agency, they put out a ton of really strong documents on how to identify phishing and spear phishing type emails. Look up those resources. Uh, it's all free. Um, you know, that, that's, that's a big win. Any type of account that you log into, go on to Google and say, how do I enable multi-factor authentication for chase.com, right? And a document will come up and it'll show you how to do it. Enable MFA. MFA will... Uh, defeat a majority of attacks. It's pretty hard to get around MFA. It's not impossible, but it's going to take some pretty significant skills or someone being stupid and authenticating when they shouldn't have. Um, so that's a win. Uh, social media is another big entry point. A lot of folks do not have MFA enabled for their Facebook or their Instagram accounts. Once again, go to those platforms. It takes you a couple minutes, turn them on. So if someone steals your username and password, 
what's going to happen is your phone's going to light up be like, who the hell's trying to log into my account, right? So you're going to know instantly and you just deny it. Um, mm-hmm. So that's, that's definitely a big win. The uh, password managers, which we talked about. Um, you know, the other thing that I see sometimes is be careful with like free applications versus paid ones, especially if you're using them for business, like tools that you might use to remote into uh, a home computer. Some of these free apps do not mm-hmm. offer multi, uh, multi-factor authentication. Sometimes the security is lower because they're free. Um, understand what the risk is. Like for your house with all this automation, you're like, screw that. You know, if they get into my computer and they can control stuff, I'm done. I'll pay the five bucks a month for the business version, you know, mm-hmm. or the, or the, the, yep. you know, the next tier. Um, so once again, it, it comes down to, you know, risk mitigation. Uh, I even have it on my home network where it sends me a notification when somebody new logs mm-hmm. on or something new logs on to my Wi-Fi. It sends me a little pop-up on my screen, on my computer screen that goes, Hey, this person's just logged yeah. in. Look, so even I- It's handy when the kid's boyfriend's over. Cause yeah. We know what's, we know who's in the building. So, uh, But to further on your, your question, I think you have some great stuff. If you're a home user that intermingles with work life, what you should actually do is, you know, if you're capable of doing it yourself or you bring in an IT resource, or if you're from a bigger company, the IT resources inside your organization can do this. They can create what's called network segmentation, which basically means in your house, right? Stacy, the mom who works for a bank, her computer sits on its own separate network, same internet connection. And then all the kids, yep. right, and her significant other, they sit on another network. These networks can't talk to one another. So if the kid, the kids download something malicious or someone opens a malicious net uh, attachment, it can't spread to the mom's computer. All right. So, yeah. So network. That's what I have, Gary. Yeah, yeah like, you do. So great. Look, very powerful. Right. A lot mm-hmm. of people don't realize, hey, this is something that. Some Wi-Fi can do for free. If you happen to have a firewall, your firewall can do for free. But the ability to kind of compartmentalize your network is a very powerful technique. Um, firewalls. Most modems that you get from your internet provider have either extremely basic firewall capabilities or none whatsoever. So you can roll into, you know, name the brand of, of uh, uh, stores like Staples or, or, or um, any of these and go, yeah, Best Buy, Best Buy right? Thank anybody, you. Yeah. Um, you know, and, mm-hmm. and get yourself maybe a, a cheaper firewall. It's not going to be, you know, a business grade. But look, a properly configured firewall is very effective, right, to, to add an additional layer of, of protection. So once again, what's your risk? You know, what type of devices do you have? What type of automation do you have? And think to yourself, hey, if these things get hit, what does this mean for my home? What does it mean for me personally and my business? And then you make decisions off of that. So, you know, getting yourself a firewall and, and configuring it properly. Look, if you're a business, any type of small, medium business, um, you need to think about security differently, right? Uh, I think the biggest mistake that I see from the business perspective, because I'm sure you have business executives on listening to your show as well, they all rely on their IT company for security. And IT companies are really, yeah, like, I mean, Carolyn's raising her hand, like, gets that. (laughs) IT guys and, 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 and women are great at, like, fixing computers and keeping you up to date but they're not security folks, right? And I think the best analogy for your show is, right, the plumber's in, you know, hooking up a new toilet for you. And you're like, hey, uh, can you go and do my electrical panel for me, right? You're in construction, right? And the plumber's <laughs> like, yeah, what the hell? I've watched the electricians do it. I don't need to be licensed. I stayed yeah, at Holiday yeah. Express last right? night. But are plumbers <laughs> critical? Absolutely. Are electricians critical? Absolutely. They play very different roles. So what the reason why businesses fail is they're trusting the person that fixes their computers to implement proper security. And just in the real world, it doesn't work. 
right? So, you know, yep. look, look for cyber firms that can come in and harden your, um, your, your business. Now, there are also people who, you know, maybe high value, for instance, or have valuables in their homes, or, you know, they're in a high risk, you know, uh, business, they may need to consider, you know, securing their, their, their networks as well. We have people who um, manage family uh, owned investments, right? Family offices, they're called. Mm -hmm. You have people who uh, do a lot of stock trading, either for themselves or, you know, for a select group of, of high net worth customers, they work from home. Look, they have tremendous risk. You know, if they get hit, they could potentially cause uh, some type of issue with accounts in the millions of dollars or more, right? So I, I think we, you know, have to realize that security is not just for large companies. It really applies to, you know, anyone in business or, you know, certain people who work at home. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Home. home. So life. Gary, before we go, how would somebody track you guys down to, uh, well, help with their security, whether it's their home or office or business or whatever they got going on? Yeah. So you can hit our website. It's Black Talon, which is T-A-L-O-N security.com, blacktalonsecurity.com. Um, there's links there to, to hit us up, phone numbers, things like that. That would be uh, the best way to do it. So find us online. So we're also on Facebook and Instagram awesome. and all that good stuff. Gary Solomon, CEO of Black Talent Security. Thanks for coming on today, brother. We appreciate it. We will have you Thanks, on Gary. again to dive in and go down this rabbit hole even further next time. And of course, Darren Roderson, thanks for coming on, my friend. You are a friend of Around the House, right, Caroline? Yes, he he's more than a friend. He's our business development there manager, we go. director. <laughs> so if you want to advertise on around the house or be a part of our family and come on and get your message out there to an audience and, and uh, Darren's your guy. So get in touch with Darren at Around the House. You got it. All right, guys, thanks for coming on today. I'm Eric G. And I'm Caroline B. And you've been listening to Around, around the, the House. house. Anywhere beyond the mean Life is a love song, let's be lovers We're all over the radio Take my hand, I know where to go All over the radio with you Hey, it's Eric G from Around the House. Are you planning a decking or siding project this year? If you are, you've got to check out my friends at Millboard. Millboard is a completely different kind of composite decking and cladding that enhances outdoor spaces with enduring distinction. Hand molded from the finest oak, it realistically mimics the natural grain and color of premium hardwood. If you're looking for something that doesn't look like plastic and instead real wood, check out millboard.com. Make sure and check out that interview we did just a few weeks back. That's millboard.com.